1: For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hi, this is Billie Jean King. This is Marion Bartoli.
2: I'm Mats Villander. This is Mary Carrillo. I'm Sandra Winka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. This is Yannick Noah.
1: Hi,
3: this is Sally Wells from Cape Town, and you're listening to the podcast
2: that has been top of my list for seven years the tennis podcast
4: oh sally thanks ever so much seven years eh we've been going for nine what have you been doing for the other two uh anyway no we're delighted thank you too what two. were we
3: doing for the other two <laughs>
4: Um, mostly talking to each other without anybody listening i think catherine um <laughs> but, uh, uh, and if you heard those first two years you, you won't be surprised if, to find out why uh, hence why catherine refuses to listen to any of them uh, but sally thank you so much for your support and um i think sally writes us notes from time to time and, and, and is always lovely and we much appreciate it um catherine's still in her studio dressing room she, she has left it since last time we spoke uh, but she's back in it again because it's a daily thing. Uh, this talking on TV about tennis. So Catherine's here, uh, all sort of done up for TV. It's a, it's a bit different uh, to to what it normally is. And what
3: are you trying to say about my standard podcasting <laughs> appearance, David?
4: Well, normally it's please, a bit more like please Matt's.
3: finish that sentence.
4: <laughs> normally it's might like, like Matt's, than right now in mine. Oh, great! Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's going well this isn't it uh how you doing, Matt
2: I'm okay thank you yes I'm, I've got Naomi Osaka on the screen and I'm talking to you about tennis so things are good
4: oh it, it has been uh the most fantastic week of tennis so far hasn't it I mean these what is it a 12-day tournament or something like that or more 13-day tournament it started last Tuesday I think um, the day before you came on air with your studio work Catherine I know uh, Prime were doing coverage from the Tuesday and it it's kind of hard to get your head round. I think these tournaments because I think because we're a bit out of practice I mean usually there's a month isn't there where you just cram in Indian Wells and Miami and that's your month and <laughs> And now we've had a year of it, and it's it feels like we've we've been going on forever, and we're still halfway through. But it's I think it's been brilliant. What, it, what, what has it felt like to you?
3: Yeah, it's felt brilliant. I also don't think it's entirely our fault that it's difficult to get to grips with the goings on because it all is a bit bitty on that front. You've got the halves of the draw playing on different days, but men's tournament a different stage to the. Women's, and then today you've got all of the women's round of sixteen matches happening on one day, but you've got half of the men's draw playing round three matches. And quite often, when I'm whizzing through roundups and updates, I find myself say, "So that's Dino Medvedev through to the next round," <laughs> um, because sort of on on the spot, without the draw in front of me and the reminder, it's it's there's quite a lot of mental gymnastics going on, and it is just the nature of these what once were week long events. Just kind of being expanded um, and stretched out, but usually I'm not such a fan of the expansion and stretched outness. Um, but right now I'm I'm pleased that this is going on as long as possible because it's it's great stuff.
4: Yeah, no, it's great stuff. I'm going to dr- direct this to Matt because Catherine is clearly biased about this because she works for Prime Video, covering both the men's and women's tournaments, but. As somebody who commentated on the women's tour for six years when BT Sport had the rights, and I mean, I loved every minute of it. It was great great fun to do. But just as a viewing experience, Matt, to be able to watch, I think for the first time in my life watching tennis, to be able to watch this event on one broadcaster where you just Put up. I mean, obviously, because they do the menu system as well, and you're able to choose which match you watch. um, I think Tennis Channel in the states have have got something similar as well because they've got the rights to both uh, tours now. That is a real plus for the for the viewer, isn't it? In terms of it feeling like this combined, coordinated whole of of a tournament.
2: Yeah, it is. It's a real game changer, actually, having the men's event and the women's event on the same platform we've not had that in the uk for quite a while really with with these combined events i know prime got the rights last year to the women's tour but then there was barely any combined events last year that were on prime so this really does feel different and elevated and yeah i mean i must say there have been a few days where i've sort of thought are there men in miami I'm just sort of watching the women's matches one after the other because of the strength of that draw. I am I'm enjoying the different side to the to the men's event in Miami this year. People who've listened to this podcast will know I'm a I'm a big defender of the Big 3 and I've not really had Big 3 fatigue and I'm sort of endlessly fascinated by them as characters and players, but at the same time there is something different and enjoyable about this event with some a bit more unpredictability and in the men's draw, take out two or three players and suddenly every match feels more relevant, potentially, in terms of who could go on to win the title. But then the women's event, I mean, they've all shown up and they're all delivering, and you've got blockbuster matches from sort of the third round onwards. And it's just, it, yeah, it's just a who's who of exciting talent, players who have delivered on that talent. And to have all the matches in one place is, yeah, is, is a real bonus. But a hill I will mm-hmm. die on is that tennis events don't need to be longer than a week um other than slams i am enjoying it for the same reason it's Catherine said keeping me said, at work matt yeah keeping me indeed work. for that reason <laughs> i'm enjoying it but get on with it i do kind of think
4: <laughs> <laughs> i'm i'm loving it personally i bet i think maybe it's because i've just had withdrawals really from this time last year when we were just in the first month of six months of nothingness other than tennis relived which was a, a joy in its own right for us personally but crikey I'm, i realize now just how much i missed it um and uh she's doing a good job isn't she man hey eh? she's good bloody job. good at this presenting so oh, right yeah anyway um <laughs> the, the other thing i like about the fact i don't want to say like about the fact that the the big three in the men's side are not there because it's it's obviously a, a downer that they're not, and uh, Andy the Murray's not there. But I also, th- I mean, it's easy to say. Well, it gives the 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 young men a chance to to have the spotlight. I actually think. Go on, Catherine. What are you going to say?
3: You so nearly said next gen, then
4: didn't you? And yeah, you stopped I did. Yourself, I did. That's right. Why did you stop yourself? Well, because I think it's time to move on from that. Mm. <laughs> um. But no, I mean, I feel like this is a tournament where the women deserve the spotlight and because you look down the the drawer and it is just it's it's what's been bubbling up for for uh, uh, eighteen months now or two years, and it's all coming together because I think particularly because Andrescu's now fit again and playing and and part of the whole story, and all these other players have joined in her absence. This feels like the moment that it's all bubbled to the surface. And I don't want really them to not get the the spotlight because they deserve it right now. And I think the danger is that that and Adal Djokovic are so huge, they're such important figures and they and they rightly command the attention when they're around as well. But just this once, because they're not, the women get the the highlight real really they're the ones that deserve the best staging um and and I mean last night there was a moment where Gabinia Magarutha was playing is it Alina Kalinskaya is that right? Anna Kalinskaya. Anna Kalinskaya. and that was a cracking match and Magarutha came through and then this match between Andrescu and Amanda Inisimova started and I think I got and through. do you went to bed. Well I got through a set and. and the No b- you
3: didn't. End of that first set, David, you were you were not present in the WhatsApp group anyway. No, I know,
4: but I, I did... I and caught, there was,
3: you know, it was good, good chat that you were missing out on. I know, I woke up to 114
4: unread messages. <laughs> I mean, that's not an exaggeration. But anyway, I did watch the last two games of that set because you two were banging on about it so much that I started to think, I'm really missing out here. And I'm and I, so I'll go to bed. Because, I, mean, I mean, it's one in the morning for me. I've got to get up at 6.30 from my kid's school. And, you know, you haven't. So, anyway... <laughs> I just
3: worked a 14-hour day, David. And in my break, I, I was Googling indoor hammocks. That's how <laughs> much I value sleep. And yet I sacrificed it for Andrescu against and over.
4: <laughs> Uh So, but anyway, I still... I think the, the problem I had was somebody messaged we've got Andrescu's chutzpah and we've got Anisimova's backhand. And at that point my device went on immediately and I had to watch a couple of games to just tide me over until the morning. Um, but tell us about that match. What happened? Matt, tell us what happened.
2: The headline is that Andrescu won in three sets. I think it's important to say that I went into that match with excitement but slightly low expectations because we've not seen either player play brilliantly, truthfully, for over a year. You know, their best tennis was in 2019. Various reasons for that, obviously, injury, a, a large factor in that. So I was nervous that maybe it wouldn't quite live up to how good it could be. But in the end, it was everything I hoped it would be and more. Um, Andrescu, I think, is playing a lot better than she was in Australia. She looks a lot physically stronger. Um, There there were a few concerns that she might have a bit of a back injury in that second set and third set. I think she took some timeouts. But basically, she's playing really well, which is just such a joy to see. And then you add in Anisimova, who has the purest, smoothest backhand imaginable. Add in when she hits her forehand well that's a good stroke as well and you just had two exciting talents going up against each other and there were momentum swings and there were gear shifts from both players and each set was in the balance and it just it was just three hours of absolutely wondrous tennis really um, I'd forgotten how good it how good it felt to get really embroiled in an Andrescu three set match as we all did so often in 2019. It's a it's a really fun fun experience to watch an Andrescu tennis match.
4: What, why is that, Catherine? Why does she get people in that way?
3: Oh, I don't know. You're asking me to sort of tap into my inner psyche there because she really gets me. I, I, if I had to choose one thing to be able to watch in tennis at the moment, it would be Bianca Andreescu in a three setter and pro- possibly Bianca Andreescu full stop. And I I can tell you all the headline reasons that you all, that you both know and probably everyone listening probably knows about why she's great and why she's good to watch. But there's still something else that I am not quite able to articulate that makes me just always need to watch her tennis matches. I'm sure it's elevated, amplified by the fact that she's been away for a year, so there's a slight sort of novelty to it all. Um, I, I feel that slightly with Osaka as well. She she plays a sparser schedule than the other players. There is that feeling of, oh, a little bit of gold dust being sprinkled. And, you know, watching Osaka comes close and a few other players, but if there's one thing, it's Andreescu... And I don't know whether that's kind of specific to me that she has these character traits that I so wish I had. I just, I I want some of that let's go and come on and swag, as Matt put it. Um, I, th- I think it's an absolute personality feat that she has all of that and yet isn't irritating. I would usually be so irritated by that type of person and I'm not remotely irritated by her. I just sort of want to be her. Um, so yeah, you've asked me to to try and articulate something that, that I am as yet unable to do, but it's a work
2: in progress, David. How much of it do you think is because she packages that into winning tennis? I find I can forgive traits that sometimes I would find annoying if it, creates a wonderful tennis player. I, I don't find those traits annoying in Andrescu, but there are players... I mean, the obvious example is Nick Kyrgios. I find him a lot more entertaining when he's winning. And if he's winning and all the theatrics are going on, that's the kind of absolute sweet spot. And Andreescu does manage to, to win so often. For
3: sure. If you're saying, check me out, and you're losing, it looks a bit crap. No <laughs> <laughs> mm. um, point. <laughs> yeah I mean without question but also like Andreescu has absolutely no problem letting you know all the time how much she wants it and how hard she's trying for it sometimes possibly too hard and that is a a very significant distinction between her and her and Nick Kyrgios I would say
2: yeah I wasn't trying to draw a, a comparison <laughs> between Andreescu and Nick Kyrgios there just
4: no I get the point um just on Anissimova when you were waxing on about her backhand, I mean, it does take me back probably about three years ago to when I first saw her beat Petra Kvitova with that backhand. And I I still don't think I've ever seen a backhand quite as sweetly struck as that in men's or women's tennis. Um, but you also added, Matt, if she's in position. Mm. And I do feel there there is a question mark over whether she will ever have good enough movement to be in position enough in big matches when it matters. Because I, it really struck me when we were covering the French Open and I, I thought she would take out Halep again because she'd done it the, the year before. And then to watch the match, to, to watch her swinging through this ball and realising that that's not enough because her movement doesn't allow her to compete toe-to-toe, on a clay court I, I just wondered whether is that the sort of movement that you are ever going to fully overcome she's so tall and strong but she's she looks cumbersome
2: mm. I remember Mary Carillo saying to us that every great champion in tennis has always had great movement players can have different styles but if there's one thing that sort of unites everyone who reaches the absolute top of the game it's movement and I think in an, in Anisimova's case, what it means is that if she's not playing particularly well, if she's having a bad day, she can't make up for that because she can't scrap and she can't defend and she's just going to make a lot of errors. If she's having a great day and she's on, she will be close to unstoppable because the way she strikes a ball is so pure, especially on the backhand. But if she's a little bit off, I do think she perhaps struggles um i also think her serve is probably a little bit of a weakness and rescue was really attacking that second serve um so i think we've seen some more areas where there are potentially some holes in her game it's very easy to get swept up by that backhand and i do get swept up by it but if you actually dig a little deeper there are perhaps some elements of her game which which will hold her back but I'm i'm interested like you david to see whether whether she can improve the movement, especially. The serve I think probably will come or improve anyway. But movement, you know, there's there's a lot of players who have struggled and never properly managed to overcome that.
4: Mm. Uh- by the way, we, by the time you're listening to this, Andrescu might be through or might be out. She's up against uh, <laughs> Garbina Megarutha overnight tonight. No no rest for the wicked, is there? Uh, Catherine's been trying to figure out if there's a way she can possibly fit that match into her schedule. Where's an f- indoor hammock when you need one? <laughs> <laughs> She's supposed to be asleep that time, uh, so we'll find out. Um, and, uh, I mean, I th- there has to be a question mark over the physicality of Andrescu. I would have thought, after that three-hour match, but... We shall see. Let's hope she's going to be okay. Naomi Osaka, we've just seen uh, her the first. Don't set. move on, David. What? We haven't mentioned what? the dog.
2: Oh, what? Sorry. What dog? I was leaving that for Catherine. Catherine.
3: Probably oh. about 30 of those 114 messages were about Coco. <laughs> oh, Did yeah, you scan Coco. over
4: those? Sorry, I thought you were on about Oats, who's our mascot for the week. More of Oats later. Is Oats a dog? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Oh, good. I'm a fan Excellent. of
3: Oats as well, but Oats, right, Oats is a bit more off topic.
4: Yeah. Okay. So, tell me about Coco.
3: Who's co- Coco is
4: the dog that we're
3: already familiar with.
4: Oh, the one you had, the one you had the selfie with. you ran after. Yep.
3: Yep. <laughs> after. Yep. The one and only time I've broken my don't have uh, <clears throat> photos taken with sports people uh, <laughs> policy because it's huh? not professional was for Coco and rescue the dog who who came in tow with the end rescue parents who were utterly bewildered
4: by what was going on and yet still charming <laughs>
3: and Yet still very very charming who is this crazy woman and why is she touching my dog
4: Pro- probably if we just let her get on with us and it'll end soon
3: yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> um anyway coco the dog is wonderful um so well behaved we sat front row throughout that match Um, looked really engaged for a lot of it as well it's not like she sleeps through the matches and she knows when to celebrate yeah she knows when to celebrate she's really into it and um, she's a toy poodle which is half of what Billie Jean is so we're we're very much here for Coco you
4: you did say that dogs kind of become a version of their owners and i mean you know mm. she's Sandrescu's owner and billy jean sleeps all day so you know we, mm-hmm. we understand where we are um, me and billy jean in the indoor hammock correct ash barty has beaten victoria azarenka today in a bonkers match lopsided uh two six one sets one apiece, and then barty got the better of her um, which most people i think were just edging towards azarenka this is this is a good week for for barty already isn't it given that uh, these extraordinary quotes I've been reading, that she she may end up on the tour for the whole year. She may not go back to Australia, certainly until after the US Open. I mean, you're talking six months, maybe even longer, Matt. I mean, that's... um, I I knew she was committed to to this trip, and uh, I think particularly because of last year and the fact that she decided she just didn't want to be part of the tour last year, I think it's probably really ramped up the appetite for this this year and this is the way to do it isn't it with all the quarantine and everything but what a commitment and I think that this is probably a really good start isn't it just just to have got some wins and be off and running
2: yeah and she nearly didn't get those wins I think when we were recording on Thursday party might have been playing and she ended up having to save a match point in that first match against Kuchova. And then since then, she's been more impressive against Ostapenko. She she sort of swatted her aside and she was good today against Azarenka. Really interesting match, Catherine. In your in your studio chat, you were focusing a lot on how, how different their backhands are. Barty can use that slice and Azarenka can can flatten out the backhand and sort of hit it with great depth and that felt like the battleground for the match but i thought what Barty was able to do with her forehand was was really impressive pulling azarenka all over the court and she looks comfortable in miami she's obviously the defending champion she's now got arena uh, sabalenka in the quarterfinals and if barty wins that that will force asaka to win the title if she wants to overtake her as the world number one at the end of this tournament, which feels like it will come, even if it doesn't come this week, it will come eventually for Osaka with two two slams in her pocket already. She feels like the de facto number one and it's a matter of time before she gets there. But it be interesting whether Barty can hold her off as we, as we go into the portion of the season where Barty will probably fancy her chances against Osaka if they play on, on clay or on grass. So really fascinating and yeah what a commitment to be away for the whole season especially Ash Barty who, who we know likes likes being at home and is, I think this will be tricky for her, it'll be a real test. I hope she is okay really over these six months. I think Craig Tyser, her coach, is going to be with her the whole time. There just isn't time to go back and do a two-week quarantine and make a trip back to Australia worthwhile so This is it. If she wants to play on the tour, she has to do this. And I think I was reading that she's going to have a base potentially in London and then go out from there. So really interesting period for her.
4: Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life, and of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Do you know, I don't think I've ever seen the Miami Open look this hot. Uh, It looks really uncomfortably hot the last few days. Um, I mean, it's always hot, isn't it? Is this players, do you think, just being a little bit kind of softened to the the, the, the weather systems these days because they just haven't played that much?
3: Yeah, I wonder if it is that, actually. And, and it wasn't that hot in the Australian Open, remember. Usually, most players would have played in something like these kind of conditions in Australia. And I'm not sure there were any days that were intense humidity like you get in Miami sometimes the temperatures on paper in Miami don't look that big I think today it said 28 29 but it's like 90% humidity a lot of the time and that's it's the humidity that is suffocating I think it's particularly difficult for athletes um, and TV presenters uh, in my (laughs) experience (laughs) Um, yeah I mean we have seen some people that you don't expect to see suffer with weather conditions really suffering with weather conditions. Q Daniil Medvedev chat.
4: Well what happened there last night? Because I, I, I was I was kinda of tuning in and out. I was watching that and I was in, I watched the first two sets, didn't I? And I said I said to Matt, this is good, you want to get this on. Popperin has saved three match points. He was a set and five three down. He saved love forty on on his own serve. He managed to get to a tie break, won the tie break and I said to you, I think I've probably seen the best of this match now. I'm going I'm to watch Line of Duty. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so I did. And then the next thing I know, I had to pause that after 30 minutes because apparently Daniel Medvedev was walking around like an old man with a walking stick. So I think, I mean, you can't not watch that, can you? And, but that is not an exaggeration. And yet he was still winning.
3: It is not. And the tragedy of this is that neither of you nor the listener will ever see the impersonation that Greg Rozetsky was doing of the Daniil Medvedev walk um, <laughs> at that time. That's just a treat that I've got in my memory bank forever and you will have to live your lives without. Did you not have your phone <laughs> no, at the ready, sorry about Catherine,
2: that. to record I that? I
3: didn't. I didn't. know I, I was too busy just
4: enjoying it in the moment. <laughs> the mental... Pictures will last a mm, lifetime. Yeah, though. they will. Right. Um, I mean, he wasn't backing away from it, was he? He wasn't pretending that it wasn't happening. He wasn't. I mean, he, he he didn't lose anything in his performance, really. I mean, obviously, he's lost some of his but, movement,
3: apart from the ability <laughs> to move at no, all. No, but
4: what I mean is, he was just still belting the living daylights yeah. out of the ball. I mean, even harder, wasn't he? He was going for for broke, really. Uh, I found it really interesting to watch him under that sort of pressure because I've just not seen it before and see how he reacted.
2: Well, I think he called it, I can't remember the exact phrase he used, but I think he said something like, this is one of the sweetest victories of my career.
3: He did. That was exactly the phrase he oh, used. Um,
2: <laughs> <laughs> he, he said he was cramping like hell and, yeah, he was He was pleased that he was able to still win. As you said, he was able to, I think, crucially hit serves hard and he i think he probably served the best he served all match r- right down the stretch but i mean we have seen him injured before and still still win cramping's different because it was like he just couldn't couldn't walk so how do you he play was tennis laughing about it he but he was laughing about it. he had a very good attitude to it actually uh but but it did put me in mind of that 2019 us open run where there was one match in particular, I think against Hugo Delien, where I thought his tournament was about to be over because he couldn't couldn't function sort of bodily. And yet he went on to reach the final. Um, so I wasn't wasn't totally surprised that he managed to play through it and win. I think if, if anyone can do it, he can.
3: Yeah, I mean, e- even when it was becoming comical, I was a bit like, no big deal. It's Daniel Medvedev. I mean, the... <laughs> The more, the more injured he looks, the more likely he is to win and then win again. Um, as you say, cramping is a bit different. But I just kept on thinking about, yeah, that US Open run when he was held together by sticky tape and suffering from th- throughout the d- duration uh, from acute lack of bicep as, uh, as <laughs> Hannah Wilkes diagnosed it. And yet still reached the final and almost won the thing. So... Um, yeah, look, Cramp cramp is different. He's, he's had a day off today. The women that played yesterday uh, haven't had the day off. Um, and I do worry for them a little bit more. Um, but I I think he'll be fine. Mm. <laughs> I'm not
4: sure the, the normal rules apply. Uh, Alexei Popperin. Tell, tell us about Alexei Popperin. Because I think he's 21 years of age. And this is the first time that I've sat up and looked at him in a different way. Uh, he's always been this tall gangly adolescent like frame I've always thought and just doesn't look like a grown-up yet um and and I was waiting for him to play like a junior in the match Mm. and he didn't
3: well I think we've already seen that performance the playing like a junior against Daniel Medvedev performance or certainly Matt and I have we um
2: (laughs) it was a bad day we
3: we had, an, uh, we had a we had a completely unplanned visit to watch uh, Popper in against Medvedev at the Australian Open last year. Uh, we'd tried to watch the match of the day, if not the week, between Kyrgios and Hatchinov been turned away. Uh, Matt had to hold me back from getting involved in aggro with a with a slightly over officious Australian steward. Uh, and you so do we that, ended right? up. So 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 I'm in a bad mood, and uh, we're trudging over to the Rod Laver Arena. And so okay, okay well Alexei Popper in against Little Medvedev it is and um, I mean it was barely a contest was it it was just it was nothing it was it, it was man against boy and uh, Medvedev would only have been what 23 maybe 20, 23 I think at the time so um, I was surprised by what he showed us yesterday um, he's working with Dominic Kabati the Slovak uh, player as a coach and I was asking Daniela over a little about him. Because obviously, she's Slovak. Um, and they had won the Cup together, I think, and go back a long way. And she said, look, he, he would not bother working with somebody that wasn't prepared to do whatever it takes. She said he is a taskmaster. She said she would have looked him in the eye and said, are you going to give me everything? Before he said yes to that coaching gig. So he's obviously... Obviously, really got something about him, and and the opportunity. Well, actually, I was going to say the opportunity presented itself to for him to show that essay. The opportunity didn't really present itself. It looked very much like it was going to be a vaguely competitive straight sets win for Medvedev, and Popper enforced it to be different. I'm sure mm-hmm. he would like to have his time again facing a, a very hampered opponent.
4: Um, got a massive forehand. But, I, I was. He yeah. really rocked. Medvedev with that forehand. He took it off him for a while. You know, he took the match away. And uh I mean Dominic Habati is somebody I got to know when I was on the tour as a communications manager. He was in the this part of his career and yeah, he was relentless as a player, just a side to side type player. Just come on, let's duke it out from the baseline. Um and and yeah, I can imagine how how hard he would get the guy training. And uh, I think Popperin's clearly a very talented guy. I've, I've spoken to Pat Cash about him in the past, and he he rates him as a talent, and he helped him with his volleys a little bit. Um, but the, the, I think he's probably also come from a fairly privileged background. I think he's he, there's, there's some there's some money behind him, uh, family wise, and yet it's if it's in him, it'll come out, won't it? If the if the the desire the the just desperation to be the best you can, and that's a good hire in that way. I think the Jessica pagula of men's tennis, yeah, mm. whose story goes on, Matt. Mm. How, many, how many times she beaten Karolina Pliskova
2: now in the last three weeks? Three times in a month, which is the same number of times that Rublev has beaten Fuchevics. I was trying to think of sort of any precedent. The only one I could think of was when Federer beat Songa in three Sundays in a row at the end of 2011. They met in the Paris final, then the first day of the ATP Finals, and then the final of the ATP Finals. But it's been an absolute beatdown from Pagula and Rublev on on Pliskova and Fucsovics th- this month. Um, Pagula, Pliskova, especially. I think I think most people would expect Rublev to beat Fucsovics every time they play. It's obviously unfortunate for Fuchovic that he's kept drawing him and he he actually said when they left the court in Dubai I hope I'll never play you again this year and then he had to play him the next week Um, but Pagula Pliskova is is I think more glaring partly because of the scores it was 6-3 6-1 in Doha 6-love 6-2 in Dubai and it was 6-1 4-1 in Miami yesterday Was it? it? it looked like it was just going to be another thrashing and then I couldn't really tell what happened it, it it seemed as though Pagula's game just fell apart and suddenly Pliskova was a breakup in the third set until Pagula got it back together and and won the last four games of the match she she looks so comfortable in that match-up and I think one of the criticisms I would have of Pliskova is is she is quite tactically inflexible you know she is what she is as a tennis player and it it strikes me that Pagula has totally figured her out, and she goes onto the court knowing what she's going to get, and thinking if I can execute my game, which is quite a similar game—hit the ball hard, hit it flat—if I can get that first strike in, I can I can beat her, and she's doing exactly that. She is. She looks a better player than Pliskova when when they mm-hmm. both come up against each other, and. That's a real testament to how much Bagula has improved in the last few months, but also an indication of, I think, Pliskova's regression. To be honest,
3: I'm wondering about that Sasha Byan, uh coaching
2: relationship. He, is he there? I, had, he, I didn't. I couldn't see him. He didn't appear to be I don't think there. he
3: was in Miami. If he is, he was keeping a very low profile because I haven't seen him. But you know, it's a bit of the Steve Bruce's about that <laughs> position at the moment. I would say.
4: Steve Bruce for anybody who doesn't know is the Newcastle United manager who is on thin ice it would surely surely be the case um, so who's my cast
3: I just mean it's sort of after every loss the question comes up you know oh, right, will okay. this be the loss that
4: costs him his job right. <laughs> or will it, will it be
3: the inevitable next loss <laughs>
4: <laughs> I wonder where Mike Ashley is in the Caroline uh, Carolina <laughs> world. Anyway, uh, moving on. Ons Jabir managed to get a win yesterday over Sophia Kennan, and this I think was after Jabir was on the ground in the previous round. I I mean looking in a terrible state due to due to cramping and um and heat exhaustion. I'm just trying to remember who it was that uh, Anjouber played. It was Paola Badosa. She'd won seven six five seven seven five, and then followed it straight up with this win over Kenin, which is a a cracking win, isn't it? And Jabber yeah. uh, now plays against Sara Cerebes-Tormo, who's who's been on a fantastic run herself recently.
2: Yeah, first time Jabber had beaten Kenin ever. She'd lost the last five matches, never even won a set. So that's a really big deal for her and kenin didn't have her best tennis uh she she improved as the match went on and she was gritty as you would expect and made it tough and competitive and actually had a break in the in the deciding set but it just seemed like Jabur suddenly flicked a switch and decided right okay i'm going to take over now and she has an ability to inject pace on her forehand and her backhand and fire off some winners and Lots of drop shots as well. She was actually drop shot returning the cannon serve, which I always think is a bit of a, it's a bit of a troll when when players do that. The, the ability. <laughs> oh, so, well, I'm
4: going to do I'm going to do that to you. Brilliant.
2: <laughs> the ability to control a, a serve you, coming you do at it you
4: unintentionally, David. <laughs> Off the friend. Yeah, that, that's the best time, when, you, when you're <laughs> yeah. least expecting it,
3: surprise your opponent and yourself.
4: <laughs> 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 Correct.
2: Yeah. yeah, but Jabir makes it a makes it a, a tactic. It's very fun to watch. Really audacious.
4: One of the next round matches we've got in the men's is Yannick Sinner against Emil Rusevori, who's a player with four U's in his surname, mm. which is impressive. I
3: think um, they
2: play quite similarly.
3: I do too. Fast arm. Mm. Big forehand, that nin- it's that ninja-like tennis. I put those. Their man Rublev in that sort of ninja category.
4: Rusevoy is the chap who beat Zverev the other day, isn't he?
3: Yes, and his double backed it up. His uh, last win was over Mikhail Immer uh, yesterday in the all Nordic clash. Oh, yeah. um, he was the better player in that, but he he had to he took three bites of the cherry to serve it out. It was. Uh, I was very invested in those bites at the cherry because my my finish time depended on depended on it. Every time he <laughs> failed, uh, my dinner got my dinner and gin and tonic and feet up watching Andreescu time got
4: just a little bit further away. Uh, I found out about the contents of your dinner on the WhatsApp chat one hundred fourteen mm. messages as well. Mm. Oven well, chips. I forgot.
3: Well, I forgot to have dinner uh forgot slash just was too busy to have dinner um got home and just suddenly realized oh my god i'm so hungry um and obviously in that situation oven oven chips is the natural solution so i had two i had two perfect gin and tonics a bowl of oven chips and i watched andrescu uh, anisimova um And I thought only an indoor hammock could make this better.
4: Have you found one? Or I mean, is that a thing or not?
3: Um, Well, it is a thing. It requires, uh, you need to have a beam to attach it to. You can't just put it in plaster because then your ceiling will come down. So I think what I'm going to end up with is a sort of indoor sun lounger.
4: Right. (laughs) What about a bed? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. i mean that's
3: essentially what i'm trying to achieve here david right. a bed in just my living a, a, a way to just have a bed in my living room two beds Catherine. Mm, yeah
4: <laughs> <laughs> you've seen you've seen right through me <laughs> it's okay um yes I, I don't own oven chips i don't really you know i'm not really a, I, mental I just sort of david that is mental make my own you know
2: you, Do you, you make your own you chips?
3: hand make chips
4: yeah, some of us can too much time in your hands. Mm. Too much time in your hands. Well, you know, if you want quality. Um, right. Now, those are the results that we've had so far, pretty much. Um, just just to have a quick look at some of the uh, the matches that that gives us. Daniel Medvedev against Francis Tiafo, which is a, a rematch of, I think, one I saw maybe at the US Open or one of the summer hardcore tournaments, which was one of the most one-sided matches I've ever seen. Tiafo just completely... Lost it in that match. Um, I mean, Medvedev was brilliant, but Tiafo's really got himself going, hasn't he? He, he? he got a win over Dan Evans in three sets from a set down the other day, and it feels. I mean, we were talking, I think, at the Australian Open when he pushed Djokovic about how he's turned himself around. Now he, he, I think, he's just sort of used the period of the pandemic and looked at himself and thought, "I'm actually not happy about the results I'm getting. Really, I've got to, I've got to reboot it." Um, and he, I think that's one of the best matches I've seen him play. The, the match you played to, to beat Evans from a set down. Um, what do you think? Oh, absolutely,
3: me too. It was a match that slightly reframed the way I think of Francis Tiafoe. I'd read those quotes about him in his new perspective. That yeah, I'd seen a couple of matches where there were traces, traces of it in evidence, but I'd previously perhaps thought of him as a little bit flaky in terms of competitiveness and staying power in a match. Um, and there was just not a hint of that against Dan Evans. I, I I didn't give him much of a chance of a set down against Evans. Um, and he just dug deep, turned it on and just, it was really quite sensational actually, the way he just suddenly started hitting winners and seemed to get physically stronger as the match went on. I mean, there's no doubting his his physicality and... If Medvedev is suffering just a little bit, then uh, then who knows? But I think he he will need it to to be physical to to challenge Medvedev and his moustache. <laughs> not a,
4: you're not a fan, are
3: you? <laughs> Medvedev's um, not a fan. Medvedev's not a fan. I I, I endorse the way he's talking about the moustache. It's great. He's what? like I'm sort of. Sort of trying something. Um, He said, I'm not going to do that weird thing where if I win with the moustache, I'll keep it.
2: Yeah, he knows Um, it looks bad.
3: Yeah.
4: (laughs) Um, uh, Where are we? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We were at
3: the Medvedev moustache, about which there is an entire article on the ATP website, (laughs) if anybody... Wants further information about it. Yeah, do you think when they're was,
2: struggling for stories without the big three?
4: <laughs> well, <laughs> when I was young in the eighties, mustaches were were quite a thing. Every, you know, they, that's what you had. Um, mm. But
3: not you had like a you had a full sort of Ian Rush though, didn't you? That's not what Medvedev has.
4: Tom Selleck. I mean, those were. The yeah,
3: days. Medvedev just looks like someone's doodled on his upper lip.
4: I'm only jealous because I can't, I can't even manage that. Um, right, OK, well, th- those are probably the most interesting matches in the, women's, in the men's draw. In the women's draw, take your pick, uh, including Ash Barty against Arena Sabalenka in the quarterfinals. Sabalenka thrashed uh, Vondrusheva, Vondrusheva uh, 6-1, 6-2 a little bit earlier today. Um, Petra Kovita, we were talking about the weather. Was, was amazing against Johanna Konta in a night match when it was nice and cool. She beat her 6-1, 6-2. She then won the first set 6-2 today against Alina Svitolina. And I was really worried for Petra Kvitova's health at the end of her match against Svitolina in the height of the heat because she lost the next two sets, 7-5, 7-5. She was going Medvedev-style cramping um, and just... I'm, I'm glad she walked off the court with a smile on her face, not looking too bad anyway. Um, but Svitolina just, it was her perfect type of match and she won through. So um, so Svitolina now faces either Sevastova or Konyu, which is going on at the moment. And uh, Sabalenka... Looking
3: like Sevastova.
4: Yeah, Sabalenka, Barty. And then we've got Jabur or Cerebes Tormo against either Muguruza or Andrescu. I mean, there's just so many blooming matches. Isn't it awesome?
3: So many blooming matches.
4: Yeah, I love it. It's
3: Ribes Tormo, incidentally. I mean, this is a stat that could be out of date by the time this even gets uploaded, but the last person to beat Naomi Osaka.
4: Oh, really? 13 months ago. That's Mm. a good stat. I like that. Um, A few other points of interest since we last spoke to you on Thursday of of last week, which is when we we gave details of uh, Vasek Pospisil's meltdown on the court. Um, That was followed in the next day or so by several of the players who are members of the the PTPA, the Professional Tennis Players Association, um John Isner said what happened with Vasik Pospisil was unfortunate emotions got the best of him and unfortunately that happens sometimes fact remains that he spent countless hours fighting on behalf of his colleagues on the ATP tour better days ahead for Vasek and the players this was with the hashtag players voice which is what all the players who were commenting on Twitter were using with their tweets so this was clearly a coordinated effort of some kind Uh, Ryan Harrison said he's a great guy with a huge heart, he spent countless hours and headaches on behalf of all the players the stress of what you bring onto the court can be overwhelming, Uh, Novak Djokovic from his home I think in Monte Carlo or maybe he's in uh, Serbia at the moment, I'm not sure he said concerning matters at hand I am not in Miami, however Vasek Posposol is my good friend and I empathise with him wholeheartedly players on tour would agree that he is an individual of the highest integrity who cares about the well-being of his fellow players. I'm hopeful players recognise the importance of standing together. So they've all had their say. They've all said very, very similar things. Um, I must say, we don't know exactly what happened um, between Pospisil and uh, Gaudenzi, Andrea Gaudenzi, the ATP CEO or chairman, which... um, Seems to ignite the fury of uh, Pospisil on the court, um, but it's it's I mean it's another stage of the the discussion, and, and I I was somewhat taken aback when I was had my attention drawn to an article, an interview with Pospisil back in September on the Tennis Majors website when he said I personally really like Andrea Gaudenzi and Massimo Calvello, the ATP CEO. I think they're really great guys, men of principle competent and smart so things have taken a pretty dramatic turn for the worst in the last six months haven't they for him to turn in quite the way that he did
3: yeah I mean I'm interested to know you know Djokovic saying in his tweet I I empathize with Pospisil's concerns we still haven't seen a comprehensive detailed list of the concerns and what they hope to achieve we now just have a hashtag that's that's the only development since the last time we talked about this we have a hashtag um i don't know who's orchestrating the hashtag behind the scenes who's unifying that effort and i i would like to know um and potentially worries me um that with that that is a murky area um what i what i would say is um excusing um, Pospisil's behaviour on the grounds of getting over emotional in the heat of the moment is is not a luxury that's always afforded to women uh, or female tennis players or women of any kind ever. Um, so, so that's just a point I'd like to make. And also, I I saw a I I'm, I'm loathe a little bit to pick out individuals, but I saw a tweet from from Tara Moore, the British player this week, trying to unite female players behind this ptpa hashtag players voice thing and she she used a very unfortunate turn of phrase um for me about n- not letting men fight your battles um and look i know she has a particular perspective perspective being a low lower ranked player feeling neglected by the organizations and that very mo- well may be the case again let's Let's hear the details of your concerns and the evidence to back it up. But if you think Pospisil's fighting you, women's tennis is battles for you, I think think you're probably mistaken about that. Um, or, or certainly on the basis of the evidence I've seen, I mean, they um, have said, he has like that's happening.
4: He has said that he has reached out to the female tennis players and asked them to be part of this. Um, we, at the, same the PTPA
3: time, believe in equal prize money
4: mm, good question i mean and it should be said that we we haven't actually heard from any of the women about this this subject that in, we've, in we've heard times. a lot of
3: them saying the likes of barty and Azarenka jump out to me a lot of them making quite pointed remarks and venus williams doing some quite pointed smoothie drinking saying uh, i don't i don't want no part of that um or certainly saying using the word perspective very pointedly and talking about unity and the need to unify i think there have been some um some timely and pointed remarks in that direction that
4: that don't specifically reference the ptpa
3: i I should say
4: Mm. i think one, one of the sad things is that i actually think that and we've talked for many many years about the challenges that the structure of the atp and the wta provides in terms of being a jointly owned circuit and and therefore it is difficult to to get two effectively competing groups uh, players and tournaments in terms of the negotiations pushing in the same direction that is that is difficult if you are a combined tour and they and it's 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 something that they've just managed to kind of trundle along with over the years one way or another and we we referenced uh, Andy Roddick's efforts uh, to, and, and success a, uh, 10 years ago to get extra prize money so you know there may well be a very good case for having a players union and a players or as players association that does all the negotiating on behalf mm. of the players let's hear the case it's just that to do it right now in the middle of a pandemic when the sport is bleeding struggling when everybody within it is struggling and to make it a big thing just just doesn't i don't know just doesn't feel right to me it's not, and look they're, they're not winning many friends, I think, around the world, generally. Yes, there may be the bubbles that, of of people that, that follow these spe- specific players, um, but, you know, it does it does concern me that by the time they get their act together, they may have just used up so much of their capital with people and goodwill that it may struggle to get much support. Um, and, uh, I mean... Interestingly enough, as well, that tennis majors article, Vasek Pospisil was asked specifically: Is Justin Gimelstob involved in this? Because, of course, he was previously um, a, a part of the ATP player board um, before he he stepped down when when his case was uh, was being heard. And he said at the time, this back in September, he said he's not included at all. I've had so many questions about this. He's not. I haven't had a conversation with him. I guess since he left the tour, he's not involved at all. Um, you might want to ask Novak but there's nothing that I'm aware of so to answer it directly no well I've heard from a few people that reckon that may no longer be the case and that he may Mm -hmm. have some something to to some sort of role behind the scenes that is is influencing what's being said and what's happening at the moment um I can't confirm that
2: Sorry? He tweeted today, Justin Gamostop. he? To say? He was quoting the Novak Djokovic tweet that you read out. He said, in the complicated relationship between ownership, labour, talent has always been as a fundamental disadvantage based on the lack of institutional knowledge, disproportionate access to material info, and the reality that talent, understandably, needs, needs to focus on performing. If talent is not fervently and exceedingly competently represented, they will undoubtedly be steamrolled in any so-called partnership. Make no mistake, a transparent, equitable partnership actually protects any partnership and is what is sorely missing in the ATP tour and tennis overall. Catchy. <laughs> yeah, so I think, I think he's involved. <laughs> I think he's involved, <laughs> yeah. um,
4: and also, by the way, it doesn't feel like that long ago that the, the players who they're having a go about Andre Ganenzi were campaigning for Chris Kamau to be uh, to be got rid of. So, um, I don't know. It's all it's all a bit of a mess, I'm afraid. And
3: uh, and let's not forget that just again, like it's just a tweet. There's no no manifesto or detail of evidence. In that casual claim about inevitably in this setup the. The the week whatever the players will will be ousted. Well, it didn't Simon Simon Briggs have a piece a while back which detailed the the voting history on the ATP board and actually more often than not they did vote with the players.
2: Chris comeau said that to you, David, when he when you spoke to him, he said that he had the deciding vote and most of the time he sided with the players ahead of the tournaments.
4: Mm. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's right. So. Anyway, that's the latest. Um, no doubt we'll hear more at some point, um, and uh, we'll bring you up to date with it when we do. So let's bring this one to a close. Uh, we mentioned uh, our mascot is Oats, who is owned by Rose Mercier, who's one of our long-time supporters. Thank you ever so much, Rose. A 14-year-old, is it Lassapoo? Pretty sure I, I don't know. I don't know so much about dogs, but anyway, Catherine's gone. <laughs> Catherine's gone to go and present live TV. <laughs> uh, Rose, so uh, g- very, very much apologetic for uh, uh, my failure to to be able to do Oats justice. However, um, we will get more details from you for our newsletter, which will be going out in in, in the next uh, forty eight hours, and you'll be able to see a picture of Oats. And Oats is a belter because I've already seen a picture. Uh, so I'd also like to say hello to Rogue, who's sponsoring me uh, rogue is a wonderful cat uh, catherine is sponsored by zeus the the magnificent canine uh, matt has got scousel mousel uh, billy jean has got billy jean king which is the best and uh, chris Lee is our executive producer and matt i believe we have shout outs
2: yes and i should say that in the last show when we did shout outs together david we actually f- forgot to thank everyone
4: <laughs> oh yes uh, <laughs> thank you to all
2: those people that i named and commentated on uh but didn't thank <laughs> so we will be sure to thank the following people uh they are judy singleton hey thanks judy judy could
4: be a top coach of tennis coach. a british tennis player yes don't you think
2: i know exactly where you're going with that uh, Catherine Leap Lazar Oh my word What a name Fantastic name Where is she from That is that is Catherine Spelt differently to our Catherine With a K and with a Y as well But Catherine Leap Lazar oh,
4: That's fantastic I want to know where you're from Catherine It's the best name mm. um, And I think I mean a, a player with a name like that Is winning a tournament in Acapulco On a yearly basis <laughs> why
2: Co <Accapulco? laughs> <laughs> why not <laughs> yeah fair enough and julie tharp julie
4: julie's uh, a commentator um who <laughs> is going to sit alongside me in the commentary box and talk about the uh the latest goings on at wimbledon she didn't know that but she is so julie thanks ever so much oh yeah i've got to carry I'm on i'm really now, lost I. for words david <laughs> <laughs> sorry julie thanks so much for your support um and uh, yeah catherine has gone to talk about tennis on the telly because that's what she does for a living when she's not talking to us uh we'll be back again on thursday with another update to miami which just seems to be going on forever <laughs> but we don't care because we just uh, sit here for an hour and talk about it in the aftermath um and we'll be back Then to talk to you. Thanks so much for your company. Leave us a review on iTunes if you haven't already. Tell your friends to listen, and we'll speak to you on Thursday.
1: Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag? Say hello to Quince.